Welcome to Expose the Podcast, where we are doing the work and are continuing to dig beyond the surface of exposing life after abuse. All right, what's going on? How's it going, Laverne? What's up, boo? How's it going? It's going good over here. It's going great. Well, I'm Natalie Hayden. And she's Laverne Badger, but hold on a second. She's coming back. She's She just froze up sure. for a second. Nat, freezing or are you freezing? Who freezing, Arnita? That you. It's <laughs> me? Yeah. Okay, let me see. I'm in my same office. I usually don't freeze. It's usually other people. Well, you know, this is just how um, things happen all the time. You know, when you're trying to do something. You know, I know, right? It, I mean, it never fails. We can have a whole con. Me and Arnita was just talking a full, you know, but it's all good. But it's I'm all Natalie good. Hayden. And I'm Laverne Badger. And we are clearly <laughs> exposed the podcast. podcast. Right. Trying to figure this thing out. Um, guys, welcome to episode number. I want to say this is episode number 41. If you're listening via Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all those places where you can find our podcast. Um, today we have a lovely guest with us. We have um, someone that is clearly um, well-versed in the mental health field, I would say. And I'm going to read a little bit off of her bio, but once we introduce her and open the floor up, we would really love for her to just speak to who she is and her area of expertise, right, Laverne? Yes. Yep. Yes. So, um, before we get into our little spiel, um, Arnita is a licensed professional, counselor, international speaker, certified professional coach, educator, and advocate with experience in clinical practices, corrections, and higher education instructions. You know, she's earned, she's earned, earned, earned her way up to the top, right? Right. And she's here because it's Mental Health Awareness Month. And we can speak to all the things that she's accomplished. But one thing that I think that we are really looking for is just answers when tragedy strikes. Yeah. We're really just here to have a conversation. So, Arnita, we welcome you. We thank you for taking the Welcome, time. girl. Thank you. I'm so excited that I get my opportunity to be on Exposed. <laughs> I'm so excited about it. Yes. I'm excited. I am super excited to have you here. Um, before we jump into the, 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 the thick of stuff, how was your mother's day? Yes. It was good. It was pretty chill. So, um, I had like a busy couple of weeks. So having that whole like mother's day weekend, just be kind of chill was really good for me. Um, of course, communicating with my mom. I don't have any children, but well, I'm a fur baby, but (laughs) yes, I'm a fur mommy. Um, he did not slack on, you know, whatever he needed from me. So I guess that's how right. it is, so, right? <laughs> and, 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 and when we talk about Mother's Day, it, that comes in all, for me, it comes in all different shapes mm-hmm. and forms. It's not just the ones that you, um, that are biological, you know, mm-hmm. the, it's the nieces, the nephews, the cousins, the community yes. that you yeah. help and you serve with, you know, those to put on that hat of mothering and nurturing and all those because some women now we're just gonna keep it real they may have given birth 
to something or someone, but not necessarily have the nurture what it takes thing. to become That's right. a mom. So, yeah. you know, I use yeah. that term a little loosely. I think even those who don't have biological and that I feel like are somewhat connected to me, that they are somehow, some way, shape, or form, mothering something. Something. So. Absolutely. <laughs> and thank you for bringing that back, because I was actually on a webinar earlier this week where I said exactly what you said, that we typically think about motherhood in the biological sense, but mm -hmm. we have to broaden our understanding of that, because there are a number of ways that we um, can be life-giving and nurturing and all of those things. So thank you for reminding You're welcome. Me. You're yes, welcome. Absolutely. Reminder will go a long way. Mm -hmm. So how did we meet you? I think we, we met you. Wait, wait a second. I think we just kind of met you happenstance in regards to the whole domestic violence advocate work that we do. Um, I, I, say, I mean, I, I violence prevention. I've been seeing you guys out here for a while, so I, I've been seeing y'all. Yes, <laughs> I don't like, know how, how we formally met. I don't recall. I think Me the formal either. meeting was through Office of Violence Prevention. Okay. I first met you mm -hmm. when I came into the office and Karen introduced me um, to you because you were uh, a, a new recast. Mm -hmm. yes. <laughs> oh, you know what? No, we were at an event. Were, were you there, Natalie Laverne? We were at um, an event a year or two ago. Chris. Um, Crystal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lincoln Crystal. All women. Yeah. Yes, yes. So I wasn't at that. Oh, you weren't. Party. Okay. Levar was there. Okay. So okay. Yep. So Natalie, then you were right about us. Yeah. Okay. Yep. 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 <laughs> but at pinpoint where we met. So, okay. Yes. So yeah. that's great. That's great. So go ahead and take this time to boast about yourself and let all the, our listeners know who Arnita is, the professional and anything you might want to kind of know us to know about you personally. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, so like you already said, I'm a licensed professional counselor. I, um, I work in the Office of Violence Prevention, and so we're part of the health department. And in that work, I'm the recast program manager. So I work with a, a federal grant that we um, use to subgrant the community organizations that are doing direct service. The focus is on youth 12 to 24 and families. Um, that are at risk for experiencing trauma. So we focus on our 10 priority neighborhoods in the Blueprint for Peace. Um, and so a part of that work is also connecting um, community members to um, behavioral health or mental health services, culturally appropriate or culturally responsive um, uh, behavioral mental health services. But outside of that, again, I'm a licensed therapist. Um, I am a speaker, so I've been speaking for a while. I actually started public speaking in the sixth grade. So it's been wow. a long time. You've been um, talking a long time. Girl, a very <laughs> long time. So let me, let me tell you. So I used to, you know, my report cards would be good in grade school and wherever else. But um, the um, thing I would get all the time on my report card is she talks too much. She talks like, too much. having class, talks too much. <laughs> Turns out you can make a living out of that. Right. So, <laughs> right. So, yeah. so, did you figure that out at that point, or did you later in life say, well, you know what? Aha, like a Jay Z moment. I, <laughs> hey, I became something gotcha. from that. Gotcha. I, have no. a, I have a cousin who 
is a um has a phd in psychiatry right and that is what she would get home she got whooping i mean mm -hmm got in trouble because she would come home and all the grades were right just like mm -hmm. you said but she could not mm -hmm. shut up and she just yep. was, her mom was just like what is it that you have to say yep. <laughs> so my mom would be like go to school and be quiet <laughs> so, um, so i've always been a talker and i love talking to folks um even during my shy period because most people don't know or even believe me sometimes when I say I was a really shy kid. Mm -hmm. However, clearly I found somebody to talk to at school. Anyway. <laughs> Love it. So um I so like I said, I've been speaking really publicly kind of since the sixth grade. So I've always enjoyed doing that. And it was really a forced thing. I went to Morris and we had to do forensics and so you know, just ended up, that's kind of where it took off from there. So God had a plan, right? Morris was a right. great MPS school. Um, yes. A lot of friends that went to Morris and then they came over to King. So, hey, mm -hmm. Morehouse. That's I right. know. My mom tried to make me go to King and I was like, no, please Why don't. Don't, the girl don't even, because I wanted to make my own decision. She should have just made me go. <laughs> but anyway. Hey, house. <laughs> So anyway, I ain't gonna knock Juno. That's where I went to school. But 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 anyway, so um, I've been doing that. Um, I am an educator as well. So I've taught at the college level for about 10, 10, maybe just going into 11 years. Okay. Um, so I've taught at a number, just about most of the colleges, universities around, except for UWM. I keep saying that, like, why haven't I thought there? But yes. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, so teaching, teaching um, undergraduate psychology classes. I love to teach. Um, I have been a part of uh, my church's uh, biblical counseling ministry. And up until probably the beginning of this year or somewhere near the end of last year, I was director of that, you know, ministry um my good friend therapist thomasina is is leading that that call now but um we still work together i'm definitely still part of the team um i you know i don't know i'm trying to think i i, I worked in so in terms of my clinical work um as a part of our grad program you know we we ran a clinic or it was a um it was ran by doctoral level students because i was in a phd program at the time so Seeing students, um, college students, community members, I have worked in a community clinic, I have worked in private practice, um, I worked in prison for a few years, so I worked with men and women who were incarcerated, so doing individual and group treatment. Um, wow. Yeah, so my last role before coming to OVP, I was the program director for um, the sisters program at the Benedict Center, and that's for women that are in the street-based sex trade. So I worked with women who um, were in the street-based sex trade, both um, prostitution and human trafficking. Um, in my early grad school years, I worked for Sojourner, so I was a community educator, so shout out to Deborah Fields, who trained me. Yes, yes. So, um, so I was doing the community education thing, going around, um, educating the community, you know, schools, businesses, whomever wanted us to come. 
around domestic violence and healthy versus unhealthy relationships, that kind of thing. And so I've worked with um, folks who have experiences um, in domestic violence, who have been sexually assaulted, um, definitely trafficking. Uh, I'm on the executive board for the Wisconsin Coalition Against Sexual Assault, so WCASA. Um, okay. And that's enough, because I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's that girl. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I have not walked in your shoe, but I'm tired for you. <laughs> you know, I'm tired for you. Yes. I'm just saying, I'm tired for you. But kudos to you. We give our hat to you. We appreciate yes. you. So um, I think it's awesome to hear women, to hear people that are doing this work to really have that that uh that moment to just um you know share all that they have done because when you sit and you think about it you you sit and you're like oh my gosh i did all of that yes you did yeah there are times i definitely forget like oh yeah and i did that but i want to say thank you all but i want to say kudos to you all for what you are doing because you are helping a lot of people, freeing a lot, exposing domestic violence, yeah. and yes. helping a lot of Thank people. You. I appreciate the work. That so you all we do. don't do it alone, and it's that's, a team. It's a, it's team, a team effort. Yeah. So we, that was the whole um, intent and purpose for having you here with us because we know that Expose the Podcast is simply just about our experiences. But as a collective, we want to make sure that the, the, the listeners and the viewers of Exposed Podcast have someone that has expertise of when tragedy sp spikes, right? Or right. strikes, my bad. Um, but you are no, you are, um, you are familiar with, tra tra I can't talk right now, with tragedy. <laughs> tragedy. <laughs> you, are, you are familiar with it because the line of work that you have been doing has now led up to, and it's like, oh, I've dealt with this before. This right. might be a different face on it, but I get tragedy. I get uncertainty. Mm -hmm. So we want to talk really, how do we deal with, you know, May is um, Mental Health Awareness Month. And to me, Mental Health Awareness Month is every day. Is there, it's, it's every day. Please, but somehow right. somebody said this month was the month to acknowledge it. Now we're going to acknowledge it. And what more better, what better to have you as an expert come on and talk to us about that. But first I want to say, um, have you ever, if you don't mind me asking, have you ever been into an abusive relationship? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I know we're always going to try and tie this around. And so we want to, I want to know, we want to know mm -hmm. what does someone's mental state look like after dealing with some traumatic situations? And we're going to be specific and asking you about the DV incidents that have been happening. The one on 27th and mm -hmm. North Avenue, and then the one on what? 13th, 12th or 13th and Locust. 12th and Locust, yeah. Are the most recent, but even before that was the woman mm -hmm. who was um, in her car with her children. How many, it was like three, two kids she had off of, was that Burline that? Yes, that was garage. 43rd and Burline. Oh, mm -hmm. Yeah, 43rd and Burline. So all of that is happening. The woman who was set on fire in front of her yes. children. Yes, right? yes, 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 yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, so we all talk about the the traumatic incident but let's talk about the mental health after an incident like that and and specifically those who were left behind mm 
Mm-hmm. How do you deal with that? Yeah. So when you say those who are left behind, do you mean survivors? Yes, um, that could be family, family members. Survivors. That could be the community, friends, yeah. You know, just okay. community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think first, it's important to really set the foundation about mental health, that mental health is just like physical health. It exists on a continuum. And so the word mental health does not mean mental illness. So you can, you know, in terms of your mental health, you can be mentally well, um, you can be mentally ill. Uh, and again, on a continuum. And so I, I always like to make sure that people uh, understand that because sometimes when we talk about mental health, people immediately go to mental illness, yeah. um, deficit-based. So if we're talking about mental health, um, we're often not talking about it in terms of the wellness piece of it. We're usually thinking and talking about it in terms of the illness part of it. Right. Um, so again, existing on a continuum, um, in terms of what what is that like for some, for for survivors or the people that are left behind after any of those incidents, it can be any number of things. Extremely chaotic. It can feel chaotic, right? So even if the outside world is not necessarily chaotic around you or in your home, it can feel chaotic inside, in your mind, in your your thoughts, your feelings, all of that. Um, some folks um, do develop, you know, a mental illness as a result of it, and so that you know, can be from depression or anxiety to um, PTSD or some other kind of traumatic um, disorder. And so I want to level the playing field. And so I often will share that there was one text that I used to teach out of that um, when it talked about the stats around mental illness, it would say that one out of two people in their lifetime will have met this uh, criteria for psychological disorder. Which basically means 50% of us, at some point in our life, whether you actually went and got treatment, whether you were ever diagnosed, you met criteria to be diagnosed. And so wow. I'd like to share that because it, it, I think it's helping to, it, it helps to reduce the stigma around it, that yeah. we are all as susceptible and vulnerable as the next person that's right and and depression is really considered like a common cold of of mental illness so Mm. it's just that common right wow yeah and so um someone may start to develop depressive symptoms they may have some anxiety they may have a combination of both both are like considered mood disorders they may have a um, they may have both It's, it's also common to have both Um, so how do you distinguish that mm -hmm. you're in trouble if you're just mm-hmm. if grieving versus yeah. getting in, in that area of not being mentally yeah. healthy. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a great question. So grief is absolutely normal. The initial shock and horror and pain that people feel in those initial moments is absolutely normal. We've been out, you know, at some, um, some crime scenes or, you know, at some situation where you know it happened and, and family are coming they're just learning and they're they're in shock they're in horror they're the emotional pain is is deafening at times um but it's very normal right given right. the situation and so then moving from that into kind of the so there's the mourning which is our outward expression of grief and then the actual grief process so depression is one of the stages of grief 
which, right. you know, when you think about it, like, okay, yeah, and it makes sense, right? Some sadness, maybe some uncontrollable crying. Um, there might be some hopelessness. Because when, when people close to us die, it, it, it raises our mortality salience, which basically means it brings that home for us that we're going to go at some point too. Right. This is not going to last forever. Or us being here in this physical form is not going to be forever. Um, and so anyway, the depression is one of the stages of, of grief, but grief, you know, you're going to feel the intensity of that initially, right? And as time goes on, then you'll, you may still be grieving, however, and you may still very real, in a very real way, feel the loss, but the depth and severity of what that pain feels like starts to diminish. And in no way, is a marker for how you feel about that person, the loss, any of that. But you get back to a place where you can function kind of like as normal, right? right. When that has gone on for too long, so that's been several months, that's been a year, that's been two years, five years later, if you, you know, that's way longer. But if you're at a place where you're still um, having difficulty functioning, then you definitely want to get some help. I'd say after the first, and, and sometimes it just depends on the nature of the relationship too, right? But after you've gone a few months and you're still feeling that like it happened yesterday, mm. then you want to definitely seek out some help. Here's how you know or how you can identify mental illness. And I talk about the four Ds. So if there is deviance, so you have some deviance and not in the evil way, but it's a, a um, um, it's a moving away from the norm, right? Just it's deviant. It's not the norm. So mm -hmm. there's some deviance in how you think or how you feel or how you behave. Dysfunction. So there's dysfunction in, in your relationship, school, work, um, family, any of those kinds of things. You, you notice the dysfunction. Sometimes it's um, danger. So that's not always the case with the mental illness. But danger can be either being homicidal or suicidal. So thoughts of hurting yourself or someone else. Also, um, uh, hurting yourself does not necessarily mean you're trying to commit suicide. Some people uh, do self-harm, cutting, or other things that are self-harm related, but not necessarily with the intent of dying. Um, so there's a distinction there. So there, there may be the danger piece. And then... Um, I'm, I'm forgetting the other D in this moment, Ooh, but the and deviance, um, the other one will come to me, but, <laughs> but um, when you notice that there is some change or difficulty in your ability to function as you normally would doing the things you would normally do, that's when you want that's to That's when you, help. those are some red flags. Right. right. I and know that's just a long that route, but. And th but those are things that family members and friends should be recognizing mm -hmm. in you because will you, if I'm going through that, am I going to recognize that in myself or am I just going yeah. to, to be in those moments, mm -hmm. you know, three, six, yeah. a year, 18 months later? Yeah. It depends on the person, right? So some people are able to easily recognize it in themselves, but other people need a little nudging. Like hmm, I noticed that things haven't, quite been the same since you know um and obviously again we're not talking about a few days after or a week or two after but right. but you should know you would notice um um 
it's the uh, disturbance or it's the um, distress. That's the other day, distress. So you feel the distress yourself. So distress, deviance, danger, dysfunction. So you feel the distress. And so um, sometimes people easily notice that for themselves and other people need um, a little nudging. And for other people, they notice it, but they're unsure or they don't know how to bring it up or they don't know how mm. to go. And so having someone else say, I know you and this isn't you um, is validating for them because then it speaks to what they may have been thinking themselves, right. mm -hmm. but just not at a place or feeling comfortable or safe enough to say, you know what? I don't think I'm okay. I need a little help. Hmm. So is trauma treated differently? So hmm. trauma from a some childhood abuse, trauma from domestic abuse, trauma from being in an abusive relationship, you know, are they all treated differently or is trauma, trauma? Yeah, so, um, trauma, trauma. Trauma is trauma. <laughs> right, yeah. so. Yeah, and so there are different modal treatment modalities. So there might be, you know, in a, a therapist that uses, you know, EMDR or somebody uses um, trauma-focused um, cognitive behavioral therapy. There are different modalities for treating trauma, but in the end, trauma is trauma. And what's interesting is that, you know, in many ways, our traumas are all connected. Mm. So whether that's something you experienced in childhood or an abusive relationship or the death um, the horrific death of, death of a loved one, they all get connected and collected in our brain in a way that they, they are connected. And so you can treat trauma, I mean, you can treat individual traumas, but there are some treatment modalities where you can treat trauma. Um, right. And it will bring up all of those collected traumas. Wow. Wow. That's wow. interesting. That That's really interesting. interesting. <sighs> I'm just trying to take in all of that because, you know, I'm um, I can just keep going. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm just, <laughs> shoot, I'll be from wanting to know. Shoot, shoot from the hip. I know she has questions. I'll be wanting, I'll be wanting to know, girl. I'll be wanting to know. <laughs> so, um, so within the community with all of this DV that's mm. happening, what is the advice that we need to be thinking about or things that we we possibly need to be doing to cope with mm. all of what's going on in our community i know as advocates we have to be aware of how much we take in mm -hmm. and the self-care natalie's a big thing big deal on self-care so she will definitely be covering that piece but how do we as a community get to a point where Dang, like I don't even like watching the news anymore. Mm. I almost hate strolling through Facebook because even if I'm not watching the news, somebody done posted what's on the news. And I just mm -hmm. feel like I don't always want that in my spirit, the energy. Especially in my when it's DV related, we have mm. right. inbox us. Like we can't get away from it. They mm -hmm. are sending it to us. Did you hear mm. about this? What about Right, this? right. Mm -hmm. And and I'm like, oh my goodness. But I'm I I just don't, it's not going to end, right? I, I just, I don't feel right now in these moments that it's going to be, op, that it's, I'm, I'm not optimistic because we're still locked up mm -hmm. and we're a lot of people are locked up with their abusers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yep. 
So I think we're we're seeing we're seeing the beginning of some worse times, unfortunately, coming because I mm -hmm. feel like real disasters like Corona has to come and smack Ooh. people in the ass and in the face and and say, "I'm here, and y'all need to hear me." Mm -hmm. But in the midst of all of that, what what do we need to be doing? Yeah. What are some tools you can help? Yeah. Yeah. So I want to give you some tools um, first, but recognize that we are experiencing a collective trauma right now. Mm. So when you talk about community, um, there's also so there's there's community level trauma, there's collective trauma, there's historical right. trauma. <laughs> All of those things. So we think about historic, the historical trauma, you know, connected to, to slavery. So Africans being, you know, brought to this country and enslaved and all the trauma that passes down with that. Right. So it gets into our bodies. It gets into our cellular memory. Mm. Um, it gets into um, how our chromosomes, how, how um, our DNA is displayed. Wow. And so um and so that can be passed down. And so I can talk about this. So just for example, when I just said that, you know, I I saw Natalie, you were kind of like shaking your head and Laverne had a little hmm. And there's a sense of you getting what I'm saying, like on the intellectual level, but there's another level of that, right? There's another level of understanding you have, although neither of us were there, we were not you know, right. in chains, enslaved, but our ancestors were. So if you are descendants of, you know, slaves, your ancestors were, and that being passed down. So that collective, there's a collective knowing, there's a collective understanding, there is collective trauma, there's also collective wisdom and collective healing. Oh, okay. And so we have we have we have started to scratch the surface around our understanding of of historical trauma and that how that happens within groups and is passed down or um, generational or multi generational. We haven't done as well as in in tapping into our collective ability to heal. So to heal as community and as descendants, you know, I'm assuming you all are descendants of Africans, uh, slaves, I mean, I mean, not slaves, uh, but Africans uh, who were enslaved. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, um, and so we, um, we haven't done as good, as good of a job as a, as a community and, and all of that and really tapping into the healing piece of that. Um, and so I'd like for us to, to really start to move in that, that direction in some ways, perhaps, but in other ways not. And so we are tribal people. Mm -hmm. So, and because we're tribal people, then we know that we, um, we, we do our best in community. And so sometimes we are hurt in community. Um, sometimes we are hurt by individuals, by people. So you think about uh, unhealthy relationships, um, um, violent relationships. We are hurt by people, but we are also healed through people. And so the same place that our hurt comes from, our healing, it may not be the same individual. Right. It may not be the exact same people but by people and so when we think about how we view this in community we're in rel the, the, the domestic violence the murders um all the horror uh, all of this and then COVID 19 and the stay-at-home order we're experiencing this collective trauma um we're also experiencing a collective grief 
We may not all be grieving the exact same thing at the exact same time, but we have a shared grief around this COVID-19 thing. Right. Um, and so whether that's grieving, like I can't go and get my nails done or, it's you know, it's, it's real, it's, it's, it's real, it's real. <laughs> you know, just like, <laughs> I, you know, for a sidebar, I snatched off of, you know, patching my eyebrows. I got burns trying to, you know, this is, it's serious. I'm grieving. Girl, I had a, I had a, my face, a reminder today yeah, that I had a yeah. appointment. <laughs> my face is all burned up from, you know, trying to do home wax kit, but whatever. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, yeah. This is what we to... go through as women. That's traumatizing shit. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm trying to heal from my own, my home, my DIY. Yes. Esthetician stuff, whatever. So, <laughs> so, so there's, there's this, this, and, and, and I don't want to trivialize it, but laughter's good. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, um, there's this piece around the fact that we understand we're, you know, dealing with, we can't go about things in the way that we normally do, but also grieving. Um, some, for some folks grieving, you know, the loss of a job. So perhaps they're furloughed or they've been let go yeah. or any of that. Um, and, and any number of things, but then specifically related to domestic violence, feeling and experiencing the terror and the horror of the things we feared might happen mm -hmm. when this stay at home order was put in place. Mm -hmm. And it, it was a good thing that it was put in place. It's just not safe for everyone. And mm -hmm. so it doesn't mean that we should not keep ourselves safe from the virus. However, um, it creates a whole different dynamic for folks who are stuck in the house with someone who is harming them, abusing them, um, or unfortunately who might take their life. And so how do we deal with all of this? How do we cope with all of this? You don't cope with, you know, I don't know that you cope with um, being in harm's way, but what we do is try to be as safe as we can. And while we are being safe, what are the other things we can do to take care of ourselves? One, recognizing what you can and you cannot control. A part of the difficulty mm -hmm. in all this is us trying to control everything. And I wish right. that we could control getting people out of harm's way, right? Right. Um, and there's, there's only so much we can do. But what can you control? That helps you cope. But not just like thinking, oh, there are some things I control, can control, be specific. What is it? So if you say something, either both of you, name something you can control. My money. Okay. You spend can control money. where your money, would you spend your money on? Mm -hmm. Yep. I can control where I go. I, mm -hmm. I make a decision if I'm going to go out there or not. So I can control that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so if one thing that helps in these uncertain times is making a list of what can I control? Yeah. What do I have power over? Because sometimes we tend to focus on what, what makes us feel powerless. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And what it does is it makes us feel more powerless. Yeah. yeah. And so it's kind of this cycle that we feel powerless. And then what we find is, is that the more we feel powerless, the more we start to give up our power mm. in places we can control. Mm -hmm. Then the mental illness starts to kick in mm. and the depression and the anxiety mm. and all those things would coming from, cause I know um, with me, when it first happened, 
I had the ability to work from home. So I knew that, that I would be okay in that aspect. But I don't like change in space like that. Like I was still going once a week back to the office because I, I needed that comfort of being mm -hmm. in the office at least that one day a week. Like all my stuff was there. Mm -hmm. All my, like these little couple post-it notes at work is like 50 of them. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, 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 that was my comfort level. This put me in a different comfort level space where I don't, I'm not accessible to all the things. I'm a paper person. So I'm not acceptable to all the things that allow me to do my work in the fashion that I was so used to doing. Now I've, I've adjusted, but how many weeks has it been that I finally adjusted? But that, that was not an easy transition for me. Like mm -hmm. I was really, I couldn't focus on, I was focused on what I didn't have, mm -hmm. which was my own office, my, my office back at, at work and that space instead of focusing on how I could create this space into a new space and still work and look at the things that I still had control over. Like Natalie said, money, I was still blessed. I'm still getting a check. You know, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm still, I, you know, and a lot of people can't say that. And right. so, but it still didn't take away from my, I feel guilty about feeling like mm. I shouldn't be complaining, you know, things it's still the anxiety well, that's, that's still there. We, yeah we do this comparison thing right comparison yeah. skills you know let's not so do that we, right and so then you feel like you don't have a right to feeling what you're feeling because somebody else doesn't have a paycheck yeah and the reality is they have a right to feel whatever they feel in terms of that loss and mm -hmm. you know their concern you have a right to feel whatever you feel in terms of the adjustment for you. So there was a loss of something for you. I and said so, during, during mm -hmm. COVID-19, I feel like everyone gets a pass right now. Man, listen. Everybody gets some extended grace. I mean, when I say extended, I mean, this could go into 2022. You are forgiven. Mm -hmm. No, for real. And for that's real. the thing. Hey, that's a great point, Natalie. I've been telling people, give yourself grace. Give yourself grace. Give other people grace, yes. give yourself space that you need to do whatever, process, think, do nothing, heal, mm -hmm. give Cry. yourself space, and allow other people the space to do the same. We are trying to function as if we are not in a crisis. We are in the middle of a global pandemic and no. And trying to move the same way. Yes, and, yeah. and that is asinine. Like when we think about where, what I don't want to do is pathologize what's normal. Yes, and when yeah. we, when you are in the middle of a crisis, it is normal for everything in your body to rise to the occasion to mm. save you from the crisis. That's right. That's good. What yeah. we have to do is then bring ourselves to a place where we understand, okay, I am safe. So you're safe at home. I am safe at home. There have been some changes though, and I do need to make whatever adjustments I need to make as it relates to those changes. And some things may happen that are outside of my control that are difficult to deal with, and, and that's okay. And, and in the meantime, I'm gonna take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> that's my answer to every damn thing. It gets too stressful. You. Natalie is like, nap, I'm gonna eat a snack. <laughs> um, I'm gonna wait before I call this person. Yeah, I need right. a minute. 
I need you a know, minute. And especially given the work that you all do, and you mentioned it earlier, Laverne, around, you know, as advocates, you know, you are constantly in the middle of tragedy. Mm-hmm. Right. And right. so that tragedy doesn't necessarily mean someone dies all the time, but that's tragic when someone's harmed. <clears throat> right. So um, you can by feel, the hands of somebody else. Their, right. And we can feel their mm-hmm. pain. And that's mm-hmm. kind of when I asked you in the beginning, had you ever um, been in an abusive relationship? Only just so I can know um, how the conversation kind of goes, because I do mm-hmm. feel that people can help um, if they've never really truly experienced um domestic abuse, any form of domestic abuse, but I think when it's a certain level of, of comfort and knowledge that you have when you have experienced mm-hmm. domestic abuse. And so that empathy level is, it, it's at a different level when you've, you've survived something like that. And I mean, all different levels. Mm-hmm. Anytime someone takes you out of who you were supposed to be, you have experienced some sort of from a loved one Mm -hmm. you have experienced some sort of domestic abuse and so what does community healing look like for you Mm -hmm. if you had a crystal ball yeah and right what would that's a great way to end is the healing part right what does the community healing look like that means being literally being in community and so we're not isolated even in the moments when we have to be away from each other Mm. um it means that there is an environment that is that is cultivated and there is a culture of being um honest being vulnerable Mm. exposing the dark parts of who we are the difficult moments of who we are and learning from those moments together but also celebrating the greatness together. Mm. Um, It means that we are all looking out for each other. So Mm. I may not call every last one of you, but one of you is calling me and I'm calling somebody, Mm. right? Right. And so we're reaching out. It means that we take the collective and we see what resources do we have within our collective. Okay, got somebody who's a therapist. There's somebody who's a herbalist. There's somebody who's a doctor. There's somebody who's a a banker there's somebody and we bring all of our goodness together and we use it for the benefit of the whole so really a collectivist culture really and then not ostracizing those of us who have had a difficult time who have developed a mental illness Mm -hmm. um whether they've had it for a month or the majority of their life but really bringing each other close and saying got you we've got you you have we are all in this together and not in this together like we're we're gonna you know gang up on the side and talk about this person who ain't doing so well right 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 (laughs) but really really what is my responsibility to your healing and if all of us take a moment to just think what part am i responsible for if Mm -hmm. laverne is hurting which part am i which part can i help on what can I do to help facilitate healing? Obviously, we can't make it happen for you, but we definitely can contribute to it. And right. then helping each other see the goodness in each of us, in our own selves, yeah. right? So what is it in you? So we bring things together as a collective to help you heal. But what is it in you that is so beautiful and so wonderful that you are able to get through this? Because it's something in you. 
And right. so that's the thing I've been reminding people of is you definitely want to reach out for help when you need it. You want to lean on your support system, mm -hmm. all of those things. But remember what it is in you that got you through the last tragedy. Remember what it, what, what it is in you that got you out of that relationship. And I don't care if other people had to help you. You still made a decision at some right. point. Right. I'm going to go with you to get out yes. of this. You that was those moments yes. when you said, I want to, whatever, I want to die, but I'm going to lay here. Mm -hmm. That was something in you. Yeah. And so right. what, find those golden nuggets and bring them to the surface and remind yourself of what they are. And so then not only is it helpful for you, but it, it again goes back to that circle because it's all in a circle, right? The circle of yeah, life, the circle, of, circle of wholeness. Yes. Bring yeah. that, those nuggets to the circle because there may be something else in you that's going to help somebody else heal. Yes. So we yes. do it all as a collective um, and no one has to go it alone or feel like they are so much different than everybody else. We don't have to... Um, we don't have to have the exact same experience, but pain is pain. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You know, but when we, when you talk culturally, culturally black women, we were not raised to be vulnerable. We were not raised to ask for help. Mm -hmm. We were raised to be strong, deal with it. We know how to survive. Um, so that's changing something that has been embedded in us for since forever that we have to ask for help and i think i think we're doing it all those things yeah. like this podcast what you do for a living all these other podcasts that are women that are um black women that are doing their thing and empowering other women um because what do they say there's always these posts that go out is to check on your strong friends that's right you know, and and that's a true statement is to check on your strong friends is well, and and we, need to, we need to check on strong friends need to say, Hey, I need help. I'm that that's one. That's hard. That's uh, it. So it ain't that's hard it. for me. I took that case you know, a long time ago. Listen, <laughs> I learned my I lesson, know. right? And so I will say to my friends, Hey, um, I'm having a hard time. Yep, and this is what it is. You know, mm -hmm. now granted, you know who you feel comfortable with or who you've nurtured that relationship with that you can do that with, but you need to do it. I'm so tired of this strong black woman trope. Listen. I don't want to be strong. I just want to be strong. And, and, and we got to we, right, <laughs> redefine even what strength is. Number one, it, who, who are the weak people? Because if, if everybody's strong, there is no strength. Mm. Yeah. Oh, come on here. Oh, so if yeah. everybody's strong, there is no weakness, which means there is no strength, right? There's no strong. Because right. You you don't have anything other than that. You're just you're just you. Right. Yeah. Precisely. So right. and and who who is benefiting from that? Who is benefiting from you running yourself in the ground? Who is benefiting from you not getting what you need? Like how is that serving you right How because to be labeled you? because to be labeled as a strong individual strong woman specifically that means somebody had to keep beating me up in some way shape or form for me to get that title and i had to say yes and i can't say no to anything you know so you know dispel the the yes 
piece of that, but we are so, um, Laverne and I, that's really what we're all about. We can't be everywhere. We can't say yes to everything. I am not wearing all of these hats. I really like just this one hat. I always wear this one hat. I wear the same baseball cap too, but over and over again. (laughs) Clearly it's my favorite. Yeah. But but you're right. We can't say no. We can't say yes to everything. That's right. Every time we are saying yes to somebody and something else we're saying no to ourselves. No to ourselves. And so we gotta we gotta draw the line, set the boundary around where are my yeses, where am I, we where need, is my yes to me. Yes. We need to put together some some advocate empowerment sessions somehow on how we care for ourselves. Because I know the first thing every time I, if I were to feel like I needed a break, because when Natalie went to Africa for 30 days for a month mm-hmm. and that was supposed to be our time. Right. That was, that's why she, she learned how to take naps when stuff just ain't working. <laughs> so, um, I was supposed to take a break. Like we, we had been going hard and this was, she was going to be away. I would take care of a few things, but I really was going to be, um, that was going to be our time for exposed to settle down mm-hmm. for a minute. But you can't settle down when you know somebody else there is hurting. Mm-hmm. It's hard mm-hmm. to do that. So if someone is telling their story or something, or something comes up in my head to say how we can um, um, make things better or make it easier or, or figure out a plan of prevention and education, let me start working on that when I should be resting, you know, because I know so- when Natalie comes back, Mm-hmm. She rested and ready to go, and I have not really rested. She was playing. And so you you rationalized the fact that it was okay for her to be resting, but not you. Not you. And that's what that's what black women do all the time. Women, yeah. black women mm-hmm. do all the time. But who who designated you as the savior? Because <laughs> right. I don't want to be no. I'm not. No, no, for real. And I mean this. Like not just the universe for all of us. Like who? Yes. Like who? Who crowned you? Yes. Like seriously. And we spend so much time trying to save everybody and lose ourselves and ultimately lose our lives. That's that that guilt. guilt. But we're gonna change that narrative around what strong means. I think it's we all gotta be weak at some point. That's right. When do you if if I'm always strong, you never get to use your strength with me. That's right. I don't need you. And we need each other and yes. everything. And so I'm a, I'm a woman of faith. I believe that everything God does is about relationships. And so my pastor, uh, Pastor Skip says that one way for us to know that God meant for us to be connected is that we were born connected to an umbilical cord. All right. Mm. So we there were we born connected. That's right. Yes. Um, and so I believe that everything is about relationship. Everything God does about is about relationship. And then he expects us to mimic him. Yeah. And that everything we do is about relationship. And if I never need you, I never need anybody, I never need anything, that's out of balance. Right. So not, right. not only have you shorted yourself, you have upset the balance in the world. Right. Now, you Get it together. Be, Stop it, trying to it, be everything. Right. So Girl. if you want to be responsible for everything, then recognize upsetting the balance. <laughs> and say, I'm not going to be responsible for that. 
And you you obviously are not the only one. It's been me. It's been just about everybody I know. And so we, we've got to shift that because that's not the message that we got. So just like with domestic violence, violence is a learned behavior. We have learned. We got to be the mules and our backs has to bear right. everything for everything. everybody. And that's no. not true. No. Absolutely. So, yes, I, I have recognized it. Friends have recognized it for me. And it is definitely something that I continue to work on. You know, I, I know it's not healthy for me. You know, you got your friends in your ear, got my husband in my ear, you know, so, so it, it definitely is a working, it, it's unlearning something you've been, I've been taught my entire mm-hmm. life. I was raised mm-hmm. to have, and, and then I had kids very young. And so it was always, and I had four kids very young. So it wasn't no time to be playing games. You know what I'm saying? So it's hard to un- undo that, but I'm, 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 I'm undoing it. I'm definitely trying not to put everybody else's stuff on me. And so that's, that's the so mental it, tip. So of change, the, your narrative, the, change your language around it. It's hard to undo it or you're learning to undo it. You're I'm in the learning process of undo undoing it. it. Yes, yeah. I'm learning yeah. to undo it. And yes. you're doing a good job of it. Yes, you Thank are. Congratulations. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you. I'm sorry, go ahead. Natalie has figured it out, but it's through multiple it con- now she 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 sometimes still has conversations in her head to backslide, mm-hmm. but then talks herself and understands what that would mean if she did that, if she sacrificed herself. Mm-hmm. And I really thrive to be at that point someday where I'm not sacrificing myself mm-hmm. for something else. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to be able to save every woman that's out there because I felt like God saved me mm-hmm. and get them out of their situation. God, God, God. not Laverne, not Laverne. Oh, okay. Laverne. Who God okay. saved you. Check it. I didn't answer my own. I, it's over. I'm and you know what, Laverne, you're right that we we it's a I think it's a work in progress for all of us, right? Oh. And so we all have those moments. I have moments where I gotta remind myself, and you who and why? No, oh. just chill out. And so we all are in that process, but we're doing it together and we're reminding each other. See, this is what community healing looks like, right? That's so we're right. Reminding each That's other right. of who we are what our abilities are, and where we could just take it a little easy. Maybe. There you go. Man, thank you so much. Oh, my God. Much. If you have oh one tip God. for us, if you have one mental tip for us mm-hmm. before we head out, Natalie closes us out, what is that that we need to know? Take the time to breathe. Yeah. Oof. Let's do that now. Slowly. Deep breath, yes. deep breath though. Mm-hmm. Five seconds, inhale. Mm-hmm. Six second exhale. Something so simple. Thank you. Thank you, girl. Yes, thank you so much. Oh my goodness. I am so excited. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming. This won't be the last time. Okay, because I want to talk to you all the time now. We just, I just had time. a mental uh, therapy session. I, I believe. I know, right? Therapy. I feel like we should be sending you a check. Yes, yes. We help each other. Yes. So thank you all for tuning in today. I am Natalie Hayden. 
I'm Laverne Badger. And we are Exposed, the podcast, signing off. Signing off. You guys love you. All right. Bye-bye. For behind the scenes, check out Expose the Podcast with Laverne and Natalie at YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe and share. For more information about Expose the Podcast, check out our website at exposedva.com and all social media platforms.